When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red Extra podcast. I'm Seth Parkinson and here we're going to listen to everything Eric Ten Hag said in his pre-match press conference ahead of United's trip back to North London to face Tottenham Hotspur. And after it, I'm going to be joined by my colleague Sam Hutchison to dissect everything he said and give some opinions on some Manchester United subjects that are floating around in the news. Well, without further ado, here is Mr Eric Ten Hag. Hi. Hi. Um, obviously, when the distance on Sundays, how the squad's looking? Is there any players unavailable for tomorrow's match? Uh, there are some unavailable. I have uh, Martinez, Farhan. Uh, we have to see how um, Bruno Fernandes is. Um, you don't know yet, it's a question mark. But I think for the rest, uh, we are quite okay. We, we obviously saw the image of the protective boot and, and the crutches online, but. The fact he might be involved tomorrow suggests that he's avoided serious injuries. Yeah, it's it's more often that uh, players uh, um, that we protect them uh, prevention, um, but it has to settle down. So we all have seen he played a full game and it happened in the first half. Um, but yeah, uh, Thursday so tomorrow is quick, but we have to see uh, coming hours what is possible. You. Come into a few of these press conferences and said uh, about your team that has not done well and you've got to bounce back. Your opposite number tomorrow has got to do exactly the same thing. How difficult will that make it for Manchester United? Ah, we had some. It was not so often that we had to bounce back. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. But it happened with all the great teams, even Real Madrid. Eh? I can't remember that. No? <laughs> no. No, but it's, it's obvious. Eh? They had a um, uh, yeah, really bad defeat. And of course, then and they, are, they are mad. And that can be fuel. Uh, for for bounce back, yeah. But as I said, but it's about us. And uh, opponent can never be more hungry as we. And that is so. That is how we have to pre- uh, prepare the game, and so make sure tomorrow we are ready to go front foot and be dominant and dictate the game. How how have you you done it on the odd occasion this season? That it's, it's happened because 
you've clearly got good players. You say all the time that they've proved that they're good players. But when they don't play to your expectations, what do you, what do you tell them? What do you say? Uh, it's not, not always the same. It depends on what is the reason behind. And, yeah, and then oh, it depends on the reason you tell them. Uh, so it's about uh, what called so situational leadership, I call it. Oh, so from out of the situation, right? You take the lead. You uh, so you give the message. So that depends on the the occasion. Right. Okay. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> um, Eric, what sort of significance do you put on this game in terms of the goal of finishing in the top four? Because when you look at the points you've already accrued, the games in hand, the relative to play, uh, position of the two teams. How significant would a victory in this match be in terms of securing your goal? Ah, oh, very. <laughs> you, you see the table, <laughs> then it's quite clear. But, um, but the approach, our approach will not change. Our approach is we want to win every game. Doesn't matter who the opponent is. And obviously the one standout player for Spurs season in, season out is Harry Kane. The promise he poses for you as a defence, how do you go about marshalling and limiting the impact he can have on this game? Uh, it's quite clear, his impact on the game from Spurs, yeah. And yeah, we have a plan, of course, before uh, for that. And yeah, home game we did very well. So um, yeah, for tomorrow we need yeah, that very good plan um, as well. You have to defend them as a team and He's a clever player, so don't let him, don't allow him to come in the situations. He can have a big impact on the game. Rob, Eric, you spoke about bouncing back there and, and the setbacks you've had this season. How impressed, in terms of what you've got character-wise in the group, that games like the Brentford match, you followed it up with a win. The defeat at Anfield, you followed it up with a win. What does that say about your players? Do you think that they are resilient and? <coughs> That they, so they are able to do it, and that's not easy, but uh, they can do it. But and now we have to make the next step, and to to do it, also in games where you get a setback, uh, and maybe you can even have a, a bad setback. Uh, but then also show the character and personality that you in the game bounce back. The question was also asked about what you say to, to players after you've had a, a, a defeat. But how important is it that you sometimes leave them and that maybe the Tottenham players, it's the same this week, that they have to come together and, and speak about turning things around and it's not always on a manager to try and get the best out of his squad? No. But, so, I'm not in a position, I'm not the Spurs manager, I'm the Man United manager, so we are in, now we are in another place, but I have to make sure that our players are ready for tomorrow. And... Uh, facing a good opponent, um, so it's a good team, good players, and uh, we are in a certain circumstance. And yeah, I have to make sure that they are focused and have energy and are front foot uh, to go into a battle. Great stuff to hear from the manager, as always. Uh, Sam is confirmed that. Varane and Martinez are out. Bruno is a question mark after the uh, the boots, that, the image that we saw online of him wearing that space boot. He said that it was just to sort of protect the player, just you know, to try and encourage him to be fit for the uh, for the game. What do you think of uh, of what Eric Ten Hag said in in the start of that presser? 
I mean, it's clear Bruno Fernandes is going to be a huge miss for Manchester United. Um, he was really good against Brighton, but he was really missed against Sevilla with that suspension, obviously. So I do, I do think it's going to really... Like, the midfield didn't look anywhere near as good without Bruno Fernandes as it has with Bruno Fernandes. So I think Eric Ten Hag sort of knows that as well. I think Sabitzer plays that sort of role when Bruno's not there, and he, but he's not Bruno Fernandes, he's not as good. Um, and I think every Man United fan knows that. But I, I think it will be a huge miss. And for Varane and Martinez, I think Lindelof and Shaw actually did a really good job against Brighton as a centre-back partnership. Um, I think Lindelof's really more likely to stay of the two now from Lindelof and Maguire. I think Lindelof has proven this season that he's more capable across the sort of positions that Eric Ten Hag would want him to play as sort of backup to Varane and Martinez going into next season. I think Lindelof's a a lot more versatile than Harry Maguire and when Luke Shaw can drop into that left centre-back role, I think it it pretty much spells the end for Harry Maguire, but I do think it won't be as huge a miss for those two that we didn't really expect to return anytime soon, um, as it will be for Fernandes, really. Yeah, just picking up on what you're saying about Harry Maguire there, what what do you think the future holds for him? Where do you, you know, if he doesn't stay at Man United, where do you think Harry Maguire will be next season? I don't doubt that he's still a Premier League quality defender. He's clearly showed at Leicester that he was capable of playing in the Premier League to a pretty high level. He shows it in an England shirt every time he puts one on. He just hasn't found his groove at Manchester United. But I think a mid-table side in the Premier League, someone maybe pushing towards getting into the top six. I'm looking at like Aston Villa, you sort of Everton's, but not this season. Previous seasons, Everton. But I can see him working well at Everton under Sean Dyche. I can honestly see him returning to Sheffield United if it's like if they can figure something out with Manchester United on a loan deal. I can see that happening, but I can't really, there's not really that many suitors, but maybe he takes a leaf out of, say, Chris Smalling's book and tries his luck somewhere else in Europe, because Chris Smalling's really been pretty fantastic for Roma ever since he jumped ship, Um, and like Tomori, who used to play for Chelsea, went to AC Milan, and now he's one of the best defenders in the Serie A, and... We don't see English players go abroad very often. I think it might be his chance to sort of rebuild his career at a different club where he hasn't got this sort of media scrutiny that he has and he will have in England. The fact is, though, Harry Maguire's contract does not expire at Manchester United until June 2025 with the option of a further year on that, which whether that's the club activate it or whether the player can choose to activate it. Is you know so that could potentially keep him at the club until twenty twenty six. It means that United will get obviously resale value out of him. But as as the lads were alluding to on the on the previous talking uh, on the previous Manchester's Red podcast, who wants to buy Harry Maguire and who wants to buy you know players like David De Gea? Because you're not only buying a defender, you it's it's the it's the wages that come with them as well. Like Harry Maguire is not going to be on £20 a week, is he, at Man United? And if he goes to, as you said, Sheffield United, they're not going to be able to afford his wages. So, you know, it would have to be a loan. But would Harry Maguire want to go to Sheffield United when he can just sit on the bench at Man United and still be in a solid team? You know, because at the end of the day, the player has to agree to go on this loan. You know, he started at, he was at Hull, he'd been at Wigan, back to Hull, Leicester, and then he's gone up to Man United. And... 
you know, he, he's sort of at the career. He's 30 years of age. He's got a couple of years left on his contract. He's sort of in a golden age, you know, golden period of his life. Like, why would he want to struggle? But, you know, th there is there is the aspect of, well, you actually want to do something with your career. And I do disagree that Sheffield United would probably not be a place to send him. Maybe West Ham, I think it was alluded to in a, in a previous episode, that you could see Harry Maguire at a West Ham. Do you know what? I, I wouldn't say Everton. I wouldn't rule out Everton under Sean Dyche. I think he'd do well at Everton and get them back up to mid-table. But I do agree with you in the fact that he isn't Manchester United quality. But on the same sense, United need backups, don't they? You know, United have still got Phil Jones employed at the club, which, you know, more than likely will not be the case after this summer. But if United, you know, Phil Jones has been on a bumper contract for the past four years and played, what, three games, if that? keeps It came off injured as well. So there's every there's every chance that Harry Maguire could just become that player, but I think it, the, the the main issue with the whole situation is that he's Manchester United captain, and unless Eric Ten Hag strips him of the captaincy in the summer, which he he may well do, and give it to you know maybe Bruno Fernandez or or Casemiro or something like that, like if, if you put yourself in the player's shoes, you know what would I rather do? Would I rather go somewhere on less money, and you know have a battle, or would I rather? stay at the creature comforts of Manchester United on a on a big wage and play the odd game every year you know obviously as a, a top level footballer you want to be playing but you know you've got to you've got to look at it in life and just in general like you know would you rather have a cushy job on good money where you're not really doing that much or would you rather go on in a, in a, in a more difficult job for less money <laughs> well yeah I suggest Sheffield United because he came through at Sheffield United he's from Sheffield um and he, I think he would fit that sort of five at the back system that they play really well. Um, it's just they wouldn't be able to afford his wages. So if Manchester United were looking at a loan, it would have to be a 50-50 wages split probably, which it does minimise Man United's loss. I mean, that's the real big issue. He is still the most expensive defender. Oh, he's not anymore. He's still one of the most most expensive defenders of all time. And he's not playing week in, week out for his club side. And he doesn't look to have it, that many suitors in the Premier League or really abroad. I think it's going to be a difficult sort of situation for Eric Ten Hag sort out. Uh, but he does have to do it. And it's one of those, he might have to have a couple of difficult conversations with Harry Maguire and just let him know, you're not, you've not got a future at Manchester United. Because I don't think, after this season, I don't think he can claim to be that sort of top-level Manchester United defender that he does sometimes claim he is. And I think, for him, the aim should really be to keep his place in the England squad, in England set-up at the very least. With major tournaments coming, he is really important for how England play, and he's not going to keep getting in the England squad if he doesn't play any football. I think if he can drop down to sort of a mid-table Premier League club, find his groove again, I think that is probably what he should aim to do. It all just depends on money, like you say. Do you know how many games Harry Maguire has, has played for Manchester United this season? How many appearances he's made? Not necessarily starts, but how many appearances he's made? No, I don't. 28. He's made 28 appearances, which well, that's quite a lot if you think about it. But United have played more than 50 games. I think 54 at the time of recording, or 55. Um, so, you know, it's 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 a decent amount of appearances. He's, he's made 1,490 minutes. And he's in got that time, 24% of minutes in the Premier League. Which, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. that time he's received nine yellow cards in those twenty-eight games. I mean, he's it, a defender. I, saw, I suppose it, it's um, 
it, it, it's par for the course. But moving on from Harry Maguire, though, there was a video that, that the Manchester Evening News, uh, MEN, Man United Twitter account put out this, this afternoon, which was, is change a glove this summer at Manchester United? Croatian keeper Liv, uh, Dominic Livakovic, uh, Livakovic, apologies if I've uh, destroyed his name there. No, Livakovic is... Yeah, Livakovic is perfect. Yeah, Croatian goalkeeper Livakovic seems to have been catching their attention, was the tweet, with a video sort of purporting that United are interested in bringing him in to replace David De Gea. I just, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, De Gea's had one bad game in the past few you know weeks, though, and, and there seems to have been a bit of a pile-on, you know, from, from, all, from players, from fans, and obviously his contract runs out in the summer. Does he, does he, does it get renewed? Should it be renewed? You know, what do you think? I mean... The big thing about David De Gea is he can still he's still a top quality goalkeeper. We can see that he still makes the saves. He still makes those sort of blockbuster saves that look really good in a highlights reel, which he's always done and that's always been his biggest skill. He just can't play with the ball at his feet. I, I look at like Edison at Manchester City and he's fantastic with the ball at his feet. At maybe a little bit of cost of like shot stopping or decision making. But David De Gea's Real weaknesses have been exposed in this Eric Ten Hag system. Because at Ajax, Eric Ten Hag's sort of big thing was that his goalkeeper plays as like an extra defender more than just a goalkeeper. He doesn't want a goalkeeper just stood in the six-yard box waiting to make a save. He wants a goalkeeper to be involved in the play a bit more. And David De Gea is not capable of that, which is where the real scrutiny has come in recent weeks. We saw it against Sevilla. He was pretty much awful with his... With the ball at his feet, he didn't really do anything wrong with his hands, but with the ball at his feet, it's just not good enough. And then at Brighton, he just didn't leave the time to have the ball at his feet. If he got the ball, he was just clearing it, or he was finding the first pass he could see. And it worked against Brighton, but that's sort of playing to his weaknesses more than playing to like minimise his weaknesses more than playing to his strengths and playing to the strengths of the rest of the team that would benefit from a ball-playing goalkeeper who could sort of set off these counter-attacks that Eric Ten Hag really wants to utilise. Yeah, it's really frustrating when you watch David De Gea start playing out from the back because it's like you've seen it so many times, you know, in his time at United, not even just this season, where he passes the ball short and then there's a pandemonium and a panic and all the opposition attackers descend on it and, and everybody's sat at home screaming or people in the stadium screaming, just who fit up the pitch, man? <clears throat> It's interesting to see that you know whether United do, and the fact that you know any mistake that De Gea or, or Harry Maguire or any other player makes at Manchester United, it, it is highlighted tenfold just because of the size of the club. But just talking on on the actual squad that's available, United uh, today there was a report on the Manchester Evening News by Dan Murphy that five youngsters have trained with the first team ahead of the Tottenham game. That's to basically combat the growing injury list that United have got, which is Lissandro Martinez, Rafael Varane, which we know. Garnacho, McTominay, obviously Donny van der Beek's still out, and then Tom Heaton, a goalkeeper, is on the casualty list. So on top of that, you've got Bruno Fernandes, who's a doubt. But the players that trained were Mark Gerardo, Omari Forson, Isaac Hansen, Aron, Willie, uh, Willie Kamwala, and Maximilian Ideale into the senior team. Uh, Gerardo is a, a fullback, as we know, and he was named on the bench in the 2 0 win over Forest. So if he's on the bench, does that if he's training with the team and potentially going to be on the bench again, does that sort of hint at the fact that Luke Shaw might start at centre back? What do you reckon about that? I think Luke Shaw will have to start at centre back um, against Spurs at the very least. 
Uh, I I don't know about the the weekend's game, but I think against Spurs he's going to have to start centre half, and I do think eventually, sort of that was what Eric Ten Hag did at Ajax. He sort of brought through talented youngsters, and obviously Man United are well known for their talented youngsters throughout history, pretty much. I do think we expect to see as we go into the end of the season a couple more youngsters get a couple more minutes in sort of the Premier League as it looks like Manchester United now wrapped up top four Spurs I mean it all comes down to this game if Spurs can get their season back on track but if Manchester United paced them like Newcastle did I do think Spurs will be pretty much that's it for the top four and it'll be decided whether Man United come third or fourth, pretty much, uh, over Newcastle. But the youngsters coming into the squad, we've seen it throughout the season. Um, Isaac Hansen, our Owen, was sort of... I think he played on the pre-season tour, and we've seen sort of Zidanek, Val, Kobe Maynou get a couple of minutes here and there this season. I do think Eric Ten Hag will be looking to push... a couple more of the talented youngsters coming through at Manchester United into the first team squad as the season comes to a close. Of course, we've got Palistri and then there's Ahmad who's out on loan. You know, the, the, the future looks very healthy for Manchester United. Speaking of the future, there's a really good opinion piece on the Manchester United News by Tyrone Marshall, who's sort of hinting at the fact that Eric Ten Hag has shown Harry Kane what he's missing this season. You know, United have won a trophy for the first time in six years. Tottenham still without, you know, they got absolutely poleaxed by Newcastle last weekend. And he, you know, they come face to face tonight. Harry Kane will play against Manchester United. He's obviously going to play down any any linkage between the two clubs. But, you know, this could be the last summer where Harry Kane really gets the opportunity to make a big, big move. And I know they signed that really long contract a few years ago, which, you know, it feels like it's, it's sort of backfiring on, on him a little bit because Spurs have just floundered, you know, Conte's called out the owner, you know, the, the, they sat the standing manager. We've got Ryan Mason, whose coaching staff's just been announced today as well, you know, who's, who's going to be there for the rest of the season. You know, it's manager after manager after manager. You know, Harry Kane needs stability. Look at how good he was under Poch when there was stability. Uh, you know, do you, what do you reckon? Do you reckon Harry? this is the summer that Harry Kane moves, whether it's to Manchester United or it's to Europe? It's been hinted that he might get to Bayern Munich because they sort of need somebody to replace the Lewandowski-sized hole. You know, or, or could he go to City? I mean, he's not going to get to City, is he? They've just got Haaland, but City could see him as a, a future backup if Haaland disappears off to Real Madrid, which is something that keeps getting talked about. What do you reckon, Harry Kane? Give me your assessment. I think this season in Europe, across Europe, everybody needs a striker, pretty much. There's just not that many top-quality strikers at the minute around Europe who are really hitting the big numbers like Haaland was at Borussia Dortmund and then... Now he is at Manchester City. There's not really anybody doing that except like Benzema, Haaland, Lewandowski at Barcelona. They're the three that jump out to me and they're properly world-class strikers. And then there's Osimhen and Kane, obviously, who are the two big ones that Manchester United have been linked to. And even if Manchester United don't go and get Kane, I think he will go to Bayern Munich or one of the other multitude of clubs in Europe that needs a striker. I do think Manchester United will get either Osimhen or Kane. And I think, personally, I think my preference lies with Kane. I've seen what he can do a bit more. I've watched more of Kane than I have of Osimhen. I've watched a little bit of Osimhen, but not much. And I do think that Kane's sort of that finished article that would really put the cap on Eric Ten Hag's side. And he would really provide the goals. Because 
Spurs this season have relied so heavily on Harry Kane. They've looked like a pretty much mid-table side with a world-class goal scorer. And that's what Harry Kane brings to a side. He will score 20 goals a season. He's a guarantee of that. Even in a season where he's not playing very often, he's injured, he will still score 20 goals. And that's really what the big teams around Europe are looking for at the minute. I think if Man United get Osimhen or Kane, Bayern Munich will get the other one. I think Bayern Munich, Oliver Kahn is their sporting director there and he's been basically just saying we need a striker, we need a striker all season long. Obviously they sacked Nagelsmann, they've now got Thomas Tuchel and he's always played with this big number nine. I think I can just see Harry Kane, I think it's got to be his last summer at Spurs. I think he's got to transfer this summer. Yeah, and I don't disagree. I think Harry Kane to Man United is is a perfect fit. But I think you know I also think that Harry Kane to Bayern Munich could be a perfect fit. You never know if uh, Benzema calls it a day this this summer. You know they, if they if they win the Champions League and hopefully stop Man City from winning a historic treble, then he could bow out and just say, "Look, I've won everything there is to win." He might bow out with that, and Real Madrid are then you know in need of a centre forward. So anything can happen. But I do agree that this probably needs to be. Kane's last season at Spurs, unless you know, unless he's happy there and his his family are there, you know, the, there are personal reasons why players stay where they are. But Eric Ten Hag did say in his presser that United have a plan on limiting Eric to, uh, Harry Kane and that they're going to use the team to do that. Which means, you know, without Varane and Martinez, it seems that he's not probably wholly confident in his team being able to shut Harry Kane down individually. So he's sort of having a team pressing, which which is perfectly plausible. Um, he was asked about the uh, how the players respond to losing and how you know United have only lost twice in a row once this season, which was the very first two games of the season. He says that the he was asked if the players were resilient and he said that they were very resilient and that sort of shows with the fact that they haven't you know lost back to back games since that since that point. But to to finish off to 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 wrap this up, um, give us your starting eleven for tonight. Give us any any any. Um, curveballs you'd throw in there oh, so start at 11 I think it'll have to be David De Gea I think at right back it'll be Aaron Wambasaka defensive centre halves will be Lindelof and Luke Shaw and then a Dallow at left back I do think he's been pretty decent at left back he obviously played there in his youth at Porto and, and then when he went on loan at AC Milan he played at left back a lot so he has played there before and he can play there as we've seen in recent weeks I think in midfield, it'll be Casemiro. I would, just on your point earlier about he's got a plan to mark out Harry Kane and sort of deal with Harry Kane. I can see it. I don't know if you remember that Ander Herrera performance on Eden Hazard where he just stuck with him all game. He did very little attacking-wise, but defensive-wise, it was an absolute masterclass by Ander Herrera and he stuck on Eden Hazard and Man United won that game because of Ander Herrera's defensive work. I think Casemiro will be partnered with Fred and Fred will have a very similar role, sort of sticking with Harry Kane, making sure he's always there. And then you've got two men on Harry Kane. It'd be the man who would naturally be marking him and Fred. And if you say to Fred, you're always looking for him. I think that's probably what he'll go for. Fred's got that energy that Ericsson can't quite bring. And Fred's all, he's like a little dog. He's always nipping at ankles. He's always getting stuck in. Sometimes he picks up an odd yellow card here and there. And his attacking qualities have not really blossomed into what we expected at Manchester United. But I do think he still shows defensive ability and he still shows that sort of energeticness that 
Man United might need in the midfield. Ahead of them, if Bruno Fernandes isn't fit, I think I'd have to play Sabitzer. And then in attack, I think it'll be Anthony. Martial is probably fit again, so I'll play Martial up front and then Rashford on the left. Excellent stuff. Well, everybody listening, keep up to date with all the latest Manchester United news on the Manchester Evening News. We are across every platform you could think of, website, all the social media platforms that you need to find news on, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it, we're there. And we've obviously got a brand new YouTube channel, which is just about to hit 2,000 subscribers, which we are tremendously grateful for. Sam, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. We'll be back again either early next week or at the end of this week. There'll be a full Manchester is Red podcast with all the usual suspects on Friday afternoon. Thanks for joining me, Sam, and everyone for listening. Thank you very much. See you soon.